What ho, cats and kittens, and welcome to this week's edition of Discontent Provider, the podcast that has clearly learnt nothing, and in all likelihood, never will. Well, that's not entirely true, of course. I'd say that we've picked up a couple of snippets along the way, but they're mostly technical things like timing the fading out of the theme music, or not trying to sing a really fast song predicated on oral dexterity following a dental procedure. My gosh and giddy gumdrops, we learnt that one the hard way, as did you podcast pals. Having said that, if you think this sounds strange, you should uh, hear me try and do this stuff with uh, with my newly installed false tooth taken out. That's fucked up, man. Uh, we have also, it might be argued, and it's obviously going to be argued, learned not to be too impulsive or to judge too harshly. At least... We have as far as ordinary people are concerned. As far as the great and the soi-disant good are concerned, we, we've learnt, and perhaps we knew it all along, that it's fearfully difficult to judge them too harshly. In fact, let us cease this unbecoming equivocation. Let us square our shoulders and stare truth as full in the face as an eye set permanently on shuffle will allow and say with conviction they can't be subjected to too much scorn, opprobrium and condemnation. In fact, were such fictional moral arbiters as Marvel's Frank the Punisher Castle and 2000 AD's Judge Death to be released from their panelled prisons into the real world, it's highly doubtful that even they could deal with the millionaire miscreants that guide this weary, wicked world in a manner that didn't seem excessively touchy-feely, lively livered and altogether too much like a firm talking to from the kindly pater out of Little House on the Prairie. But, as I say, to the humble citizenry of our little ball of cosmic pointlessness, or disc if you prefer, we've got nothing against flat earthers because ultimately the shape of the planet doesn't matter a lot, to those struggling against both the machinations of our soulless overlords and all manner of only too human frailty, we extend the kindly, if myopic eye, the belief in change for the better, and the awareness, but there for the grace of Yog-Sothos, so go we. Consequently, and inspired by the Scottish Government, we'd like to extend an invitation to anyone with, uh, well, shall we say, a propensity for drug consumption to join Arkham and myself here at the Happy Place to indulge in your neurochemical realignments in a welcoming and safe environment. Admittedly, we can't provide you with quite the level of clinical sterility that Glasgow's state-sanctioned shooting galleries have on offer, we're sitting next to a brook near a dank canal bridge after all, but we are a sociable enough pair in our way, even if the world's greatest lurcher here does seem rather haughty and aloof until one gets to know him. The important thing is, you won't be judged, and while I can't guarantee any form of legal immunity, the remote rural nature of our home away from home does mean that you'll be safe from the prying eyes of officialdom. Hmm... Well, as it goes, it seems that quite a few people are, well, I wouldn't say safe from the prying eyes of officialdom for obvious reasons, but more overlooked by the prying eyes of officialdom, or at least the uh, cameras of officialdom, anyway. Uh, you see, this week, a BBC investigation revealed that a number of police officers have been, to say the least, misusing their body cams. These little gadgets, whose purpose is, broadly speaking, to watch the watchman, and if nothing else, stop people who think they're being terribly clever by rolling out that chestnut from ever doing so again, have been, on occasion, switched off during, um, 
well, what you might call incidents, where perhaps a little force was employed. Also, footage, which seems like a terribly archaic term for a digital recording system, but uh, it hasn't yet been replaced, to the best of my knowledge. Uh, footage has been deleted, or presumably for a hearty chortler old Bill Suarez, been shared among social media groups on WhatsApp and the like. Uh, dear Lord, one has to wonder about those viewing parties, eh what? <laughs> oh, that's a belter. Did, did he live then? No idea. The ambulance turned up and took him away. I've still got his watch though. Look, nice. How about this one then? This was uh, this was a Just Stop Oil protest. Just Stop Oil, is it? Uh, more like Just Stop battering me round the head with a baton, you crusty little shit. Bloody hell, Taff. You went to town on that fucker, didn't you? Uh, did he, did he, you know, have anything on him? What, gear, like? Nah, most of them don't. They're not proper hippies, like, that uh, That bloke was a teacher. Not after that, he wasn't, I bet. Anyway, what have you got for us, Tell? Well, uh, as it happens, uh, let me see, uh, take, take, yeah, take a look at this. Uh, so, uh, then what happened, sir? Well, after I, after I came to, I, I was lying under the counter, and, uh, and, and the till were gone. I guess they had it away. Oh, that's, that's, that's shocking, sir. Shocking. Uh, did they, did they get into the stock room by any chance? Uh, I, I, I don't think so. I, uh, I had the key in my pocket, and, and the door's always locked. Mm, I don't know. Perhaps you better check on it anyway, sir. Uh, some of these little shits, pardon my French, can be pretty cunning. Well, okay, if, if, if you think I should, I'll go and have a look. Hey, that's it. You go and have a look, you daft bastard. Right, we'll see what we got here. Ah, handsome. Oh, so uh, what did you get in the end? Bottle of Spaceside and a couple of bottles of Martell. Good work, mate, good work. Always pays to get a stab vest that's a size too big, innit? Uh, you got any left? Uh, just the brandy. Anybody want some? Not for me, Boyle. I'm driving. Hey, <laughs> that's it, man, that's the way. Up to the fucking top with it, will ya? Now, in the spirit of fairness and objectivity, that I feel is the overriding motif of these little get-togethers, I should say that the Beebs report into body cam abuse found more than 150 examples of this sort of skullduggery, which would imply that there uh, being less than 200. Uh, considering that the gizmos have been uh, mounted on Bobby's helmet, or wherever they stick them, for almost a decade, it's reasonable to say that this doesn't represent a norm or indicate that it has become a common practice among the constabulary. As the National Leader for Body Worn Cameras puts it, quote, The BBC's findings are shocking, but the vast majority of footage highlights good police work. Unquote. Fair enough, so far as it goes, of course. But at the same time, it absolutely underlies the, uh, the certainty that in a free and democratic society, Ipsos custodes really do need a spot of custodiating. 
They, uh, they don't seem frightfully keen on that idea, though, do they? Look at the way in which the Metropolitan Police's Armed Response Unit officers chucked their guns out of their clearly marked blue light bedecked pram earlier this week, following one of their number being charged with the murder of Chris Carber in Streatham last year. In protest, they downed tools, and for tools read deadly firearms, leading to the army being called in to pick up the slack. Now, while we can, I feel sure, all agree that having armed soldiers out and about on the streets of a capital city is perhaps the defining hallmark of a successful society, some churls pointed out that this scenario was not exactly ideal, and it may well be said that the special badass gun cops decision to resume their duties having made their point is one to be applauded. Their chagrin they exhibited at one of them being called to account, however, can be seen as a cause for some concern. I'm not making a particular call here, you understand. Many accounts seem to say that the circumstances around Mr K's shooting were unclear, to say the least, but there are some facts that seem indisputable. Firstly, Chris Carber did have some previous firearms offences to his credit stroke detriment, albeit at least one involving a replica, and uh, the car he was driving at the time of his death was linked to a firearms offence that took place the previous day. That much seems to be agreed. So it is plausible that the officers involved in the operation to follow the car might have had reason to believe that its driver was strapped, as I believe the expression is. That is, of course, if they knew that the driver was Mr Carver. I haven't yet been able to ascertain if they did or didn't. But let's grant them the fact that the car was definitely involved in some sort of gun fuckery and uh, so they might uh, well have led them to be a little quicker on the draw than they might usually have been. On the other hand, the facts of the case have been thoroughly investigated by the Independent Office for Police Conduct and, their findings having been handed over to the CPS, charges have been filed. Any number of factors may be at play here. Political pressure, issues of race relations, to use a quaint phrase from my childhood, or exaggerated notions of accountability. But the notion that uh, both the IOPC and the Crown Prosecution Service are in the habit of pissing around seems highly dubious, so it would appear that there is a case to be answered. And what, in the name of 47 distinct types of fuckery, is wrong with that? If the accused Rosa's compadres feel that the system that employs them isn't objective, fair and geared towards justice and the truth, one might very well ask them why, in the name of an additional 83 distinct kinds of fuckery, do they work for it? It's not as though the odds are necessarily stacked against the unnamed sharpshooter after all. According to Inquest, admittedly a campaign group, there have been 1,871 deaths of people in police custody or following police contact since 1990. Now, Statista.com informs us that since 2011, police contact has been fatal in 2,520 people. And Home Office figures, I found, seems only to deal uh, specifically with death that appeared uh, happened to those in custody, but did point out that... Uh, 49% of them uh, were due to drug or alcohol-related conditions. All this demonstrates is that statistics, unless one is possessed of unlimited time, access to official records and a supercomputer, can be as reliable and wholly subjective as going on your gut. 
But it does indicate that if we allow for the 49% that OD or choke to death on their own distended liver and uh, a suicide in custody rate of something like 10 to 20%, uh, around between 50 and 100 Britishers die neath the washful eye of a cop uh, 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 under questionable circumstances, shall we say. For all that, it appears that only one officer has ever been convicted of manslaughter since 1990, and none for murder. At least, not while on duty anyway. We're looking at you, Wayne. Even to the most copperphilic citizen, dear me, you've got to say that carefully, uh, who sees every PC as a firm but fair George Dixon type, that must seem at least a little unlikely, no? Chances are, then, that the officer who shot Mr. Carver will receive a pretty fair shake, all in all. Uh, full disclosure, my own dealings with the uh, the cats and kittens in blue have always been fine. Dashed rare for a straight, white, well-spoken male, I'll admit. Uh, and I view them, or something like them, anyway, as a regrettable necessity in a functioning society, yet at the same time, I'm totally of the opinion that they must be held to the highest standards imaginable and that to do less is to allow for unthinkable abuses and put us all eventually irrevocably up shit creek. Which brings us, do it not, to a crucial point. What if there were to be a fundamental, one might almost say seismic shift in our social order? What if civil liberties ideas of accountability and scrutiny were to be given a good old shake what if the powers that be really decide to turn on the juice and cut the damn thing loose eh what that is at least as far as the never never knowingly undertold media would have us believe very much on the cards right now our home secretary Suella Braverman has already weighed in on the Carver case appearing to give her tacit support to support to the officer in a tweet or post if you prefer and apparently you must prefer damn it quote we depend on our brave firearms officers to protect us from the most dangerous and violent in society in the interest of public safety they have to make split second decisions under extraordinary pressures unquote in the usual run of things, that could be taken for a generalised remark acknowledging that sometimes a motherfucker just has to kill some motherfucker, regrettable as it might be for all concerned. But in the current political climate, the doe-eyed Miss B seems to be encouraging, it all looks a whit more sinister. Following her keynote address in London to the National Conservatism Conference, that US-spawned think tank of quivering paranoia and eroticised free marketry earlier this year, she has been steadily increasing her reputation as the authentic voice of law and order in the Conservative Party in, as I noted at the time, a clear effort to place herself as the preeminent candidate for party leader when Rishi Sunak calls it a day. This week saw her jetting off to the States to give a speech to the American Enterprise Institute, another independent, non-government think tank, or neo-fascist circle jerk, if you will. The, the headlines, of course, were sensational. Some cheered with xenophobic delight, others wailed and gnashed their teeth against an unconscionable push further to the right. 
The big talking points were, I need hardly remind you, that just because LGBTQ plus people might get murdered by their government in other countries, they shouldn't come to the UK and cry about it like a bunch of Nancys. I paraphrase, of course, but barely. And that multiculturalism has failed. When I saw the headlines, and people talking about the headlines, because that's how most discussion operates on the social media computer machines, uh, I thought this might have been a bit of paraphrasing or over-sensationalism on the part of the press. I mean to say, that sort of rhetoric, especially coming from a lady with a posh voice, is undoubtedly uh, what best coaxes flaccid right-wing genitalia into something vaguely resembling tumescence. But would anyone in mainstream politics actually say that out loud? Well, she did, of course. And the 30 minutes I spent listening to her gruesome gibbering uh, is six fags worth of time I'll never get back. Alarming figures, claims that legal, illegal immigration led to exploitation and prostitution, without pointing out that the uh, illegal immigrants were the victims of said crimes, and not a second spent on the failings of the Home Office responsible for the nightmare scenario she was describing. Yes, all that was there. And all much as one might expect. But that other stuff. Well, one often hears about politicians offering their base red meat. But that was more or less dragging a live cow before them and offering to hold it down while they tore out its throat and gorged on hot pumping blood. Multiculturalism has failed, she says. Essentially invalidating the lives of millions of people who in the past 60, 70 years have built lives, businesses, families, relationships, friendships all over the country. Not just immigrants, but what, you know, what is habitually called indigenous Britishers as well. We've all got stories to tell, and I like to think most of them are positive, but that doesn't matter. Because she and her department have completely cocked up a migration crisis, multiculturalism, she says, has failed. Let's uh, let that sink in for a bit, but not too long, because it's depressing. Depressing as fuck. Add to all this her oft-avowed desire to leave the ECHR behind, and an apparent intention to give carte blanche to any bogey with a shooter to shoot first and ask questions never, and the picture is grim indeed. Yet perhaps, in her eagerness to court the nastiest, most disaffected fuck stumps away from the reform, reclaim and UKIP axis, uh, that'll be her undoing. It's just possible that she'll turn the Tories into something so heartless, so cruel, so toxic, that they will recede into the fringes of politics and remain unelectable forever. A nice thought certainly, but uh, who can say? It's difficult to judge these things. However much one tries to look at and engage with the other side, uh, the fear always remains with us, I think, that uh, we might all still be, to some extent, in an echo chamber in which our views are always on the ascendant and uh, the other lot are just the loons and weirdos howling in the wilderness. Well, what can we do? Cross our fingers, cats and kittens. Vote positively when you get the chance. And if the worst comes to the worst and she becomes the raven-haired queen of hate she seems set on becoming, well, I've got some thoughts. I know the term suicide pact is frowned upon, but... Uh, mm, 
And on that note of dispiriting ambivalence, I think we'll shut up shop for another week. Before we go, however, something that perhaps implies that the sort of worldview espoused by Suella is not as popular as she likes to think. Yes, a brief message to my erstwhile Twitter playmate, Lawrence Fox. Lawrence, dear Larry, young Larrington, as you'll always be to me, I know that after this week's unpleasantness, you're at something of a loose end. So, would you consider a position here at Discontent Provider? Until we get enough listeners to justify setting up a Patreon account, I'm afraid it would be something in the nature of an unpaid inter- internship sort of thing, but, uh, but at least you could keep your hand in in the exciting world of new media and broadcasting. Besides, your unique experience as the leader of the Reclaim Party makes you ideal for dealing with a small, intimate, one might almost say vanishing audience, so uh, there'll always be a spot here in the happy place for you. So if you're listening, unblock me, baby doll, and let's talk. Mind you, having said that, neither me or Arkham will shag you, so bear that in mind. Otherwise, there's little to be said but the usual boilerplate gubbins. All facts, quotes and figures have been verified to the best of my ability. Uh, The views expressed herein are simply those of myself and should be used for entertainment purposes only. Don't forget to like, subscribe and share this podcast hither and yon. And if you want to reach out to us, post, tweet at Foxy and Arkham on X or you can email discontentprovider at gmx.co.uk. We'll see you next week then. And until that happy day, here's a song at the end to keep you going. From me, Foxy and Arkham, the black and white dog. Cheerio. With your brains and your beauty, your devotion to duty, you're bound to be PM one day. It don't faze or surprise you that the leftists despise you as you shit on the darkies and gays. Suella, Suella, please keep it together. You're the Tory we all need to lead us. We're lucky to have you as you pull up the ladder Out of reach of those immigrant leaders International laws a tyrannical bore I'm enthralled by your sweet siren song You're my glossy head night star Tell me what my rights are Cause we've had it too good for too long Suella, Suella, so perfect and clever You'll make Britain great once again You'll make bleeding hearts squeal You'll reject all appeals When you're safe and sound in number ten
Please remain strong and proud You said the quiet part out loud Multiculturalism don't work Forget millions of lives Those who've struggled to thrive They're just foreign or race traitor jerks Suella, Suella I'm one lucky fella You're the home secretary of my heart With your gorgeous dark eyes And your slick racist lies You're tearing this country apart You're tearing this country apart